Well, good evening, folks. It's, uh, I'd like to say it's good to be with you, but actually I'm sort of not with you. But uh, it's good to at least uh, have a chance to open the Word of God together and to uh, hopefully gain uh, some uh, insight, some blessing uh, that would help us. So presently I'm in uh, Nakhonsawan in Thailand and uh, uh, I had planned of course to uh, be with you uh, in Australia. Uh, We had tickets booked and uh, paid for. Joe had a uh, a ticket, he was coming, uh, James was coming, uh, but uh, we all got caught uh, with uh, an unexpected turn of events and uh, of course that has not happened. Uh, I am looking forward to uh, being able to get back to Australia uh, when uh, the Lord allows that. Uh, so that a number of factors will determine that. Uh, But at the moment, uh, we certainly have a peace that we are where we're meant to be. And uh, we're in Thailand and I'm here because, well, you know, the work is still here. Uh, Nothing has changed as far as here goes in the sense of the need. Uh, People here still need Christ. Uh, Millions have not heard. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, in Australia and, you know, if you're watching this in America or other places, I do understand that there are uh, challenges in terms of work. Uh, I haven't been out of touch with what's happening over there. Uh, Let me say that if you're in Australia, uh, at least uh, there has been some measure of government support. Uh, Many other places in the world, you know, there there will be right now millions of Thais have lost their work uh, as well. And uh, these people uh, here, Uh, They have no savings. They were already living day to day, which simply meant they would go to work, get enough money to come home, uh, buy the food to give to their children, to their wife, uh, uh, save up enough to pay the rent uh, to get by. That's how they were living already. And then to suddenly lose your job, of course, uh, means that you you don't even have that. So... Uh, it's been really hard, at least in Australia, there's been some measure of support. I, maybe you're saying, well, I didn't get that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I pray that you will find that God is sufficient and he's able, uh, even when everything in the world has been turned upside down. Uh, ours is not a faith that is dependent on the situation or the circumstances of this world. Uh, That which happened to us came from without the world. Uh, We've been born again by the Spirit of God. Uh, We have heaven as our hope and our home. Mm. And uh, what we are here, we have to live here. uh, But our faith, uh, our Saviour, the working of God, the provision of God in our lives uh, is not dependent uh, on the mood swings or otherwise uh, of this world. So we're praying for you. Uh, I'm praying for those of you who always cared about missions and supported missions uh, uh, and uh, supported and gave uh, to your local church uh, that you will continue to be able to do so. Uh, I I try to explain to people gently that out here on the mission field, uh, we're not in a situation where if uh, support is down or I can just go and get a second job. Uh, We're not able to do that. As missionaries in foreign countries, uh, we don't have the liberty to do that. We don't operate under the same rules as nationals. Uh, We're not citizens here. We can't just say, well, I'll go get a job. It's illegal for us to work here uh, like that. So so we have to be careful and uh, we are dependent upon the faithfulness of the Lord's people and God providing for them and working in them at home, so please uh, continue to be faithful. Make sure that you are tithing uh, to your local church. Uh, good Christians tithe. Uh, Bible believers tithe. Uh, those who follow the Word of God are tithing people. So I pray that you are tithing and are honoring God with the first part, that first uh, 10% of your substance as God gives you. 
And then I hope beyond that you're able to continue your support for missions. Uh, I hope you're not so overwhelmed by your own uh, troubles that you forget uh, the work of God in other places. We need to pray for each other. And I have prayed, my prayer has been that God will remember uh, right now, <coughs> that he'll remember the people uh, who have been faithful in their giving to missions uh, and helping us here in Thailand over many years. And I've particularly prayed for you. I've asked God to, to open up the book of remembrance and to recall uh, before his face uh, your deeds and your faithfulness so that he can uh, bless you even now and uh, meet your needs and beyond that give you uh, into your hand that which you may be able to uh, forward on in other places. So God bless you for that. Uh, we, uh, we're not uh, indifferent to the situation going on in other parts of the world. We're very much aware of that and uh, we pray for you and uh, we pray that uh, your faith would not fail you uh, in uh, this hour. Uh, some people have asked me, what, Brother Shemish, do you make of uh, this whole situation with the uh, COVID? And look, uh, I know it's easy to make comments from the cheap seats. Uh, I've learned in life that uh, when you don't have to make the decisions, when you just get to sit there and analyze or uh, criticize, it's, it's so easy to, to opinionate about what you would do or wouldn't do or what was wrong or what was right. And, uh, it, you know, we do that with sports teams. Unfortunately, people do it in churches sometimes. They, uh, from a, a, the seat of non-participation, uh, they criticize uh, those who have to make decisions. So I want to, you know, not fall into that trap, but uh, <clears throat> I will say that uh, I do think there has been uh, perhaps some measure of overreaction. Uh, I, I really do. I, I, I think there's... Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, social media uh, has, uh, you know, uh, fanned the fires of, uh, of worry, of, uh, of fear, uh, of, of people being scared. Uh, I think there's been some measure of overreaction. You know, it's interesting uh, as an Australian uh, son and as an Australian who uh, comes from a long generation of people in Australia, people who... Uh, came to Australia in the very early 1800s. My family came. Uh, you know, I grew up with, uh, with the ethos of Australia very imprinted on my psychology, on my mind. But, you know, as I've been out of the country for uh, a few years now, and, you know, I get back to visit a few times, but, but uh, I've really realised how socialist Australia is. And I don't think you fully realise that when you're living there. And I mean that uh, it, it's extraordinary to me when I compare Australia to some other places, uh, how very advanced uh, the, the idea of the nanny state, that the state is my mother. And how you can, how you can pick up on those things is uh, every time something goes wrong, is this not so that you will read there or you'll hear somebody say, uh, the government needs to do something about this? And you just hear that all the time. What's the government doing for the elderly? Uh, what's the government doing for the sick? Why hasn't the government done this? The government needs to make a law. And I don't think we realise in Australia how, how socialist we have become uh, and that we've turned the state into our mother, our carer, our provider, uh, our leader. Uh, we've turned the state into the place that's got to think for us. Uh, the state becomes the object of our frustrations. Uh, the state is where we place our expectations for change. Uh, the state has got to give us a better life. The state is responsible for educating us, our children. And, and uh, I don't think you always realise that when you live there, but stepping back is extraordinary to me, uh, just the level of, uh, of uh, submission that, uh, that ordinary Australians uh, have, have uh, yielded to the state and how they've deferred so much uh, personal responsibility. Let's say that again. Uh, personal responsibility. Uh, that's, 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 a, that's the forgotten noma where we are responsible ourselves uh, to, to take care of some things ourselves. And uh, it's not everybody else's fault. We're supposed to 
take care of our families. We're supposed to take care of our elderly. We're supposed to care for our... Well, I was in full rant then about uh, socialism and the state, and I don't know what happened, but we were... Uh, let's just say we had a technical glitch, Thai style. So it just, uh, it just cut off. Uh, if you could see us now, we, uh, I, sometimes people don't understand um, that the mission field is not like home. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we're not even working off a camera here. We're using an old phone. Uh, and it's, uh, there's no camera. We don't have anything set up like that, uh, but we will do our best. All right, so uh, Numbers, chapter number 13. Uh, Joe is here while you're finding that. Uh, numbers, chapter 13, we're going to read in a moment from uh, verse number 25. And I'm going to give you some brief thoughts from there. I asked Joe to come up one so you would see him. Uh, this uh, my partner in the ministry. Uh, uh, and... Uh, Today, we've, Joe's finished preaching, talking to some people. Uh, Joe, you can say hello, and then Joe's going to step back down. Hi, everyone, and uh, Pastor Loy and Good Shepherd Baptist Church. I uh, want to say thank you for your prayer for our church and our ministry here. Mm -hmm. So I know that everybody in the hard time, but um, thank you for your faithful and support and help us and I'd rather to be there with you in that meeting, so but you know, so we we, we cannot do that. So uh, look forward to see you sometime soon, and um, hope that we will keep pray and be faithful to God and the work in ministry. Mm. Thank you so much uh, for care for us and not forget us, mm. and uh, you know we we need to work it together. Thank you so much. God bless you, and hope you. Enjoy the preaching from Pastor Shemish today. I'm sure they're going to enjoy every moment. <clears throat> okay, you can sit down. Uh, that was. I just wanted Joe to greet you, and uh, so you could see him. Please, please pray for his father. Uh, a number of you have been praying for his family for some time. I appreciate that. Uh, his father uh, has uh, a failing liver. Um, uh, diagnosis here is not always easy to get, uh, but uh, it is quite advanced uh, in its uh, state of decay. So uh, we're um, facing uh, that taking its effect on him, if you know what I mean, uh, sooner rather than later. So Joe was up there last week. He got to share again with his father uh, about Christ, uh, the hope of heaven, uh, salvation uh, being found in Christ alone. Uh, as yet, uh, as far as we know, his dad has not believed, uh, but please uh, keep uh, praying for him. All right, Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to, uh, now that I've uh, given, uh, I don't know, copious amounts of time to the preliminaries, uh, I'm going to uh, just give you, I think, a fairly simple thought uh, from here, but I, I, I hope it will uh, help you. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this kind of preaching. And I suppose if there are any pastors, uh, they're probably listening, they're probably thinking, you know, somewhat the same thing. Uh, I, I just, just feel that it's just not ideal. I don't like screens. Um, I just, I don't like them anywhere. Uh, I don't like what they've done to our society. I can't stand seeing people who've got their head in screens. Uh, I don't watch screens. I don't watch them on airplanes. I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. I don't like screens. So uh, you can imagine how I feel talking into one. Uh, I just don't, not endeared to it. We've had several requests of people who have picked up on the whole Zoom thing. Can I do this? Can I do that? And I try to just politely explain, look, we have issues here uh, in terms of just uh, facilities, logistics, what we can do. Uh, I also would just kind of remind everybody that we are not in Australia. And uh, so we're operating under different conditions here. I, I hope you'll contemplate what I might mean by that uh, in terms of uh, the externals, uh, the culture, um, the expectations, uh, monitoring, a number of things that go on. And so it isn't like, uh, you know, we're just in another part of Australia where we can do this. So please understand the limitations that are here. 
Uh, Lord willing, should we actually get back to Australia, uh, America or elsewhere, look, I look forward to uh, coming and being with you. If you invite me, I will do my best to come and preach for you and be there. Uh, but at the moment, the, probably the best thing you can do is just continue to pray for us. Uh, please continue to support the work of God here. Uh, you know, we welcome your encouraging emails and texts. And, uh, but just understand uh, that we are on a foreign field under a different situation. And I'm not at liberty to go into more than that. Uh, but uh, I hope that you will uh, understand what I might be referencing. All right, Numbers chapter 13, I know that you will know the passage, and uh, I guess uh, I would ask someone else to read, but they're not here. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read it, and uh, I'm going to read from um, verse number 25 of Numbers 13 through to uh, verse number 31, just to introduce a thought here. And I'm going to assume that you have familiarity with the passage. I would think that you will. Uh, you've probably heard uh, this passage or others, uh, passages that reference the same events being preached on. Uh, so uh, let's read it, verse number 25, or I'll read it. It says, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. 40 is a number in the Bible that is always associated with testing. So remember that. If you don't remember anything else, at least mark that down. When you see 40, it's usually associated with a testing, a testing. Uh, it said in verse number 26, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sent us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Uh, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, that would be the giants. Uh, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Uh, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Uh, I want to uh, share with you or, or talk to you uh, uh, today or tonight, I want to talk to you uh, on this subject of um, of, of dying before your destiny, of dying before your destiny. And what I would reference here is that uh, this uh, destiny that God had for these people uh, uh, planned of God uh, was never realized in their life. Uh, this whole generation that we're reading of uh, would never obtain that which God was wanting to give them. Uh, God had a plan uh, when he delivered them out of Egypt uh, that he was going to give them uh, something that was going to be a tremendous blessing to their lives. Uh, it was going to be very, very good for their families. It was going to be good for their faith. Uh, it was going to, to enable them to become uh, or reach the pinnacle of everything that uh, God had willed them to have. Uh, that was God's desire. But uh, in fact, if you track the progress of this generation, uh, you will see that in fact they did leave Egypt and uh, they, God delivered them out of Egypt and uh, yet they never did go into the promised land. Uh, they, never, they never got there and so they uh, they died before they realized their destiny, uh, before they obtained their destiny. Now, this uh, destiny uh, of the promised land, the plan that God had for them, uh, this, this uh, 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 thing that happened to them in not making it uh, was, not, was not a determined outcome, but it was a decided outcome. 
And by that I mean that it was not predetermined of God that they should not make it. Uh, it was not predetermined of God that uh, God would call them out of Egypt, but yet they would never get to where they were supposed to go. Now, that wasn't the plan of God. It wasn't like some uh, cruel uh, trick of destiny or determination of God. Uh, God had wanted them to realize uh, uh, all the good things that he had led them out to obtain. Uh, and yet it was their decisions, uh, their personal decisions, that stopped them from obtaining uh, what God had, had destined them to have. And uh, so uh, I think that's like a lot of Christians, uh, uh, the, and I'm talking saved people, uh, they have been delivered out of the world. They're, they're not in Egypt anymore. And uh, by a mighty hand, uh, God delivered them. And uh, we would liken that, the deliverance to salvation, being delivered from sin, uh, being delivered from the consequences of sin, uh, hell and darkness and torment. Uh, you get delivered from these things uh, when you get Christ, when you're born again, when you are saved. And so many Christians, uh, they're out of Egypt. They're not in Egypt anymore. They're not like the world. Uh, they're, they're in the world, but they're not the same as the people in the world. That's like many of you uh, listening now. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I see many times that many believers never in fact get to the place that God wanted them to be. Uh, God had in his mind a plan for them that was bigger than they had in their own mind. And uh, so their own decisions caused a default uh, of the destiny that God wanted them to obtain. And uh, wherever you are uh, in your walk with God, I, I really do uh, uh, exhort you that you would not die halfway. That you would not die halfway. Because the result of uh, this defaulting here in not going in and possessing the land, uh, you know what they did? They, they sighted it uh, and they heard a report from afar of its wonder, of its goodness. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it was there and it was within reach and yet they would not obtain uh, because they could not believe. And uh, so uh, their default uh, led them to die halfway. And you know, think about that. Literally, literally millions of them, how many I don't know, but a million, two million, I'm not sure the number, but at least a million likely plus uh, uh, of these people left Egypt but ended up dying in a desert or a wilderness. They, they ended up, their carcasses, as God said, fell in the wilderness. And uh, that was never the plan of God to get them out of Egypt to perish in the wilderness. Or I shouldn't say perish, they, they didn't perish, but they lived out their life uh, in the wilderness. They lived out their life essentially going in circles. And this is like a lot of believers. God has intended something better for you. And uh, when God led you out of Egypt, he was not thinking small. Uh, he was thinking to give you something amazing beyond what you'd seen before. And, uh, and yet these uh, never did reach that place. Now, uh, I think the reason that they died uh, in what I will call a halfway place, and I, I see a lot of Christians uh, <clears throat> like this, they start so very well. I mean, they, they, they come out, uh, they believe, uh, they go forward in their journey. Uh, they, they are believing God. They, they are following, as it were, a pillar of cloud in the, uh, uh, by day and by night, being led of God. And, and they're on the journey, but they reach a point somewhere in that journey where belief fails. Uh, somewhere in that journey, and it's not a belief in the existence of God, and I don't even think it's a, <clears throat> it's a conscious belief in that the Bible's not true. I, I think they, uh, you know, most Christians believe that the Bible is the word of God, but, but they, they, they stop believing uh, that they can go further forward. 
they stop believing that they could be the person that God uh, has destined them to be. They no longer believe it. And, uh, and so they, they go halfway. Let me say that halfway Christians are miserable people. You know, uh, because they're somewhere caught between, between uh, they have salvation, but there's been a, a faith failure. And they're in kind of a limbo land. And uh, we find them in our churches. And uh, we find them around us. They're people, they're going around in circles. And, uh, and uh, a circle means you keep passing the same things uh, over and over again. And, uh, and if you've got that deja vu feeling where I feel like I've been this way before. And maybe you've been that way before many times. And I'm trying to say to you now that God did not intend for you when he led you out of Egypt to finish your life in a wilderness going in circles and uh, that you should, you should end your days there. God has a bigger destiny for you and God has better things uh, in mind for you. And uh, you, 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 you uh, perhaps would be surprised at the person that God knows you could be. Uh, the person that God knows you truly could be. Uh, I think it'll be heartbreaking uh, in heaven uh, should God show us the life we could have had uh, instead of the life that we did have. Uh, should it be revealed to us that had we believed, had we followed, uh, had we not doubted, uh, uh, had we had faith that was uh, bigger uh, than our own uh, uh, inabilities, uh, that we could have done extraordinary, amazing things. And I believe that there are many, many Christians uh, who are in the wilderness, in the halfway place, uh, but it is, it, is, it is not where God led you out to go. He did not bring you out of Egypt to, to stop you halfway. Uh, God has promised that the work that he started in you, uh, he would bring to completion. And the only reason that does not happen in terms of destiny, service, uh, is because we default ourselves uh, on belief. And so uh, 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 the people saw it. Uh, they uh, had a good, good, good uh, uh, information about what, what the blessed place was like. They saw the fruits of it. And yet that doubt was there. And, and so we read in uh, verse, uh, sorry, chapter number 14. We just read 13. Uh, it's chapter number uh, 14, if you uh, just turn over there, notice please verse uh, 28 to uh, 33 of chapter number uh, 14. And uh, here you have God's response to their unbelief. And uh, I'll read it, verse 28 of Numbers 14. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number. It means all of you from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein. It was God's plan that they dwell therein. Uh, save Caleb, uh, the son of Jephthah, and uh, Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones... Uh, which ye said, which ye said, should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. Uh, but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. God said, you will, you, you will, it will be uh, as you've said. And, uh, and uh, you, will not, you will not get this now uh, because you have uh, defaulted to a belief uh, failure. You've gone back to doubt. And uh, God said, you know, you said that uh, your children uh, will be devoured if you go forward for God. Are you listening? Some people say, well, if I go forward for God, what will it cost my family? Nobody ever went forward for God where their family got less than as if they had not followed God. When you, when you follow the Lord, your children are more blessed. They're more blessed. 
Uh, when you go forward for the Lord, your children get more. But when you do not go forward for God, uh, then your children have to bear the burden of your unbelief. Your children uh, carry on their lives uh, the burden of your unbelief. And uh, so the children uh, were forced to wander also. And God waited until that second generation came through. Now, uh, what was different about the first generation that he led out of Egypt to the second generation, the children? Well, I'm going to suggest to you that the first generation had what I call a slave mentality. They had the thinking of slaves. And even though they were no longer slaves, God had brought them out of that. And uh, that's not who they were anymore. Uh, their minds still were thinking like slaves. Their thinking was still of a people uh, oppressed and cast down and uh, under the foot of another. And uh, that, was their, that was their thinking. And yet the children uh, who did not grow up as slaves, and even though they would wander the wilderness in 40 years, for 40 years, uh, the children uh, were able to have a different mindset. And I want to give you three simple things I'm going to finish tonight uh, that can hold you back. And I, I call it the, the, uh, the mentality, the mentality of, of a slave people. You know, God was trying to, to, to say to them, you're not slaves, you're soldiers. Uh, you're not slaves, you're a, you're a, you're a winning army of soldiers. Uh, but they could not see that in themselves. They, 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 were, not, they were not slaves anymore in their day-to-day -day, uh, duties, but their mindset was still the old mindset. Are you hearing me? Uh, I want you tonight to think about how you think. To think about how you think. And uh, to understand your own thinking. Because uh, if anything is holding you back, from the promised place of blessing, uh, most certainly it is your own thinking. Because every other obstacle is able to be overcome. Uh, you're not stopped from getting to the uh, promised place of blessing because of another person. Uh, there are hindrances, but they don't stop you. Uh, those who, who, who have the right uh, mindset, we might say the mind of Christ in us, versus the mind of the old life, uh, are like the vine that goes over the wall. Uh, sure, there are obstacles, there are hindrances, there are tests, you will be tested. Remember, 40 was the number of testing. You'll be tested. Uh, but there's no reason why you cannot win over all those things. So <coughs> think about tonight how you think. And, uh, and I would suggest to you that these people were still thinking like slaves. They had the mindset of slaves. The first thing I want to say in our, our simple uh, thoughts here is, uh, number one is that a slave mentality always assumes the worst of other people. Uh, and I'm going to look at Numbers chapter 21, uh, if you have your Bibles, or uh, Numbers chapter 21. Uh, a slave mentality is always assuming the worst of others. And when I say others, uh, that can include God himself. And you, you would say, well, Brother Shemish, I never think bad things about God. Yeah, but, but you, you can think God is doing bad things to you. Or you can think that God has decided that you are unworthy of his blessings. Or you can think that uh, God sees that you're happy and so now he wants to send something to take away your happiness. And what I'm saying is you're thinking the way you think about God uh, is, is not correct. It's an old mentality being carried over. Think about how you think. And let me say that your, your thinking about God is not God. Your thinking about God is not God. That is your thinking about God. And sometimes we mix those two things up. So, so in our minds, God is how I think about God. And we, how I think about God is what God becomes to you. And actually, uh, when you do that, you've somewhat made a God in your own perceptions. And it may be partially true and partially not true, 
uh, but, but your thinking about God is not God. God is going to act like God. God is God. God is not your thinking about him. Uh, if you want to bring those things into alignment, then you have to ensure that your thinking about God is consistent with who God really is and recognise the dangers that immediately you start uh, 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 adding perceptions then you, you, you run the risk of creating God beyond or less than what he really is. So, so, so slave mentality it often assumes the worst. You know, uh, people can think that uh, serving God is, uh, is going to be miserable. Uh, that uh, if I take this step of faith, you know, how, how awful it's going to be. And, uh, you know, that, that is revealing that is insightful to how you think about God because you have concluded somewhere that, that giving your all to God is worse than not giving your all to God. You've concluded somewhere that the life God wants to give you would not be as good as the life you can give yourself. Well, in fact, that's an inversion of the truth. The life that God can give you is far better than you can give yourself. God can give you a better life than you can give yourself. So, so let me read the text, Numbers 21, verse 5, and it's mindset that we are, we are looking at here. It says, And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Uh, so, so here's what they were saying. Uh, it says to God and to Moses, you're thinking, slave mentality. Uh, 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 you're just trying to hurt me. You, you, you're trying to do something that will damage me. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? It must have been because you really just want me to die here. It, it must have been a plot to, to trick me, to get me out so that I would perish. And I'm saying that when you get that old mentality... Uh, you, you, can, you start assuming the worst of everybody. You know, wh why, is, why, why was I moved out of that job? Uh, he mustn't like me. Why this? Why that? And can you understand when you start from a position <coughs> where everybody is against you and everybody's trying to somehow hurt you, that flows over to your notion of God and you start thinking that God is like that. Uh, you know, you start thinking that that God is forever watching for an opportunity to afflict you. Uh, that God, uh, God never wants you to be happy. Uh, that God is, uh, you know, that the, the Christian life must be a miserable life. And, and <clears throat> that's slave mentality. It's a mentality of people who, who grew up in a situation where there were a lot of people against them. And uh, there were people who were oppressive. And there were people who were nasty. And there were, were, were people who made your life miserable. And, uh, and uh, you may have had a life like that. Uh, you, you may have grown up in a home like that. Uh, maybe your mother or your father was particularly critical all the time. Uh, maybe, maybe your mother and father, maybe you could never measure up to what they were expecting of you. Maybe it didn't matter what you did. Uh, you were always greeted by a put down or a hurt. And the danger is that even though you get out of Egypt, you take the mindset with you and, uh, and, and, and you are, you're, you're in bondage to a slave mindset uh, where you, you, you're not delivered from that yet. And uh, you're out, but, you're, but your mind is not out. And uh, so a slave mentality will uh, always assume the worst. <coughs> Let me challenge you. Uh, I said it earlier. Uh, think about how you think. Uh, have, a, have an honest evaluation about how you think. Uh, review your own history honestly and privately and about how you think. Uh, are you someone who always feels you have to uh, uh, guard every, every flank lest somebody is trying to do a manoeuvre on you? Uh, do you perceive any, every criticism as a, as a, as a, a thinly veiled attack uh, upon you. Do you perceive that? And what this is showing, if you're a person like that, likely you've been raised in an environment 
where that mindset has cultivated in you and it's going to hold you back. It's the mindset of a slave. It's not the mindset of Christ or the new life. And you need to look at that and examine about how you're thinking about those things. Do you, uh, have you concluded because of what happened before that you are never worthy of love? That, that, uh, that others deserve love, but you don't? Uh, and, and I'm saying to you that none of that is the mind of Christ. That that is, that is old mentality, slave thinking that you must purge and uh, get it out. So, so the first thing is slave mentality always assumes the worst in God and other people. Second thing is, and I've only have three and I'm done. The second thing is uh, slave mentality always believes I don't have what I need to be able to do that. Uh, I, we, I'm not trained enough to be able to do that. I'm not, I'm not strong like someone else that I could do that. Uh, I don't have the ability. I'm lacking uh, in some area, and that's the reason that I can't obtain the promise. I'm lacking. And you know where that comes from? Uh, look in, uh, well, Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5, and you probably remember this, uh, but this was their experience. You know, in uh, Exodus chapter 5, and I want to read verse 5 and 6, and you can, you can read more of the context if you want to. Verse 5 and 6, And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters, taskmasters, let's remember that word, <coughs> of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as hitherto. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. So, so here was a people, uh, uh, don't miss this, where they had taskmasters, people who stood over them, uh, who said, uh, you have to produce, but we're not going to give you what you need to be able to produce. And that's always the sign of a taskmaster, uh, whether it's in employment, uh, in religious circles, uh, uh, in church life. Taskmasters give themselves away. One of the things they do, they expect things from people who are not equipped to be able to do it. And so Pharaoh said, I want you to make bricks like you always did, but we're not going to give you the straw. Go find your own straw. And, uh, and it becomes a mentality, like a cruel hoax, that I'm expected to do something, uh, but I'm not given what I need to be able to do that. Have you ever had that feeling? You know, there are, there are demands being put on me, and, uh, and uh, there are people expecting me to do things, uh, but they're not, they're not giving me the, the things I need to be able to, to fulfill that quota, that requirement. And you, you have those kind of experiences happen in your life, where you carry that mentality over and now you're at the edge of the promised land and you know what you're believing again? You're believing I don't have uh, what I need to be able to do this. I can't, we, we cannot win because uh, I am deficient uh, in something or some area. Uh, I don't have it. And that's slave mentality. Slave mentality will always, uh, the thinking of a slave, well, there will always be an excuse about about uh, I can't because of who I am and I don't have and, and uh, there's a danger in that. And, and what I'm trying to say to you tonight is these things rob you of reaching the place that God has determined or destined that you should reach. And it is not the will of God that you die halfway. It is not the will of God that you stop growing. It's not the will of God for any church that they go halfway, that they become half of what they could have been. It's not the will of God for any pastor to have a half success. Uh, God intends for you to have full promise and to have the blessing, but, but it's our own mindset. It's our thinking. And I'll say it again, you must examine. Uh, think about how you think about things. Uh, so slave mentality always assumes the worst. Slave mentality believes I don't have what I need to be able to do this. You may be saying, I don't have the education. You know, education uh, is something can be obtained outside of school. Uh, uh, education can be found in life. Uh, 
A lot of the wisest people in the world had little formal education, but they had an education. And so don't, don't, don't give excuses to God uh, about why you cannot do what he's asking you to do uh, because you're not equipped with this and you don't have this and you're not like that. And uh, that's a slave mentality. And then the last thing here is uh, a slave mentality uh, will always believe that I cannot win because the things that are against me uh, are too strong, uh, too many, too big, too difficult, so I cannot win. And because I know I cannot win, I shall not try. And that's the mentality of an oppressed slave people. Uh, you know, uh, well, you remember the last guy who tried to break out of the brick factory? Look what happened to him. And uh, what you can do, you can recount in your mindset experiences of failure. And uh, you can recount them in yourself and, and the devil will prompt you to remind you of others who have failed. And it's the mentality of a slave. You know, often the, uh, the tragic, uh, the, the German death camps that held, uh, you know, tens of thousands of oppressed people were guarded by relatively few numbers. It, it would have been possible to to certainly, you know, if everybody surged forward to, to overcome uh, the, the, uh, the, the soldiers in a given camp. Now, you know, I don't know what that would have led to, but, but I'm just saying that, that uh, it's readily recounted by people who were there that people lost the will to fight. People, people believed what they were being told about themselves. People had concluded that we cannot win. Uh, some had concluded, well, I'm not worthy of life. And uh, it's the mentality of oppression that when people have lived under oppression, that they can, they can start to believe that they're not worthy, they can't succeed, they can't do, they can't win because the obstacles you face are too many, uh, too big, uh, too strong. And, um, and slave mentality will always make you small. Remember what they said? They said, we are as like grasshoppers. You know, uh, a slave mindset will give you a small view of the world. Uh, you'll be small and your thinking will be small. And, uh, and, and what will terrify you will be big thinking people. Uh, you, you, you will be highly nervous around the, the uh, Joshua and the Caleb's of the world who say, we can, we can, we can because you're certain we can't, we can't, we can't. And uh, that's a uh, slave thinking. Slave men thinking will keep you small and you're not destined to be small. Uh, God has much more for you. Uh, God has a, a, a bigger thing uh, in mind. And so, so you're thinking, you need to think about how you think about things. And, and are, you, are you bringing over uh, a mindset and a way that is, is not of God, it's not the mind of Christ, uh, but, but you've carried it out of Egypt with you. And you're not even that person you used to be, uh, but you're still thinking like the person you used to be instead of thinking like the person that you are today. And look, you might need the, the Holy Spirit to now shine a light on this. Uh, and reveal you to you. And you, you, you might need some help with this, where the Spirit of God begins to uh, show you yourself. But, but God had to wait until the slave mindset people, uh, well, they, they perished at a halfway place so that he could take another group of people who didn't think like that and uh, he could take them to the place they needed to be. Uh, I'm going to finish. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Uh, you cannot change behavior without changing belief. Uh, you cannot change behavior, your own or somebody else's, without first changing belief. And uh, that's why you will uh, you'll plan to diet. You'll say, I need to diet, I need to lose weight, I, I need to do this. And you start, you start, and you go two days or three days or five or seven, and then you stop. And the reason for that is you don't truly believe what you set out to do. 20% of you said, 
I need to diet, but 80% said, we don't really buy that. And you, you, you will not be able to uh, be effectual in behavioral change in yourself, or let me say, if you're a leader, are you listening, if you're a leader and you lead others, you cannot change their behavior without changing their belief. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, they've got to be convinced of the certainty of something. They've got to believe it before they'll do it. And many times what we try to enact behavioral changes from many different ways, a force of will, uh, uh, lots of things, uh, but, but there's a lack of inner belief. So without, without a belief change, there will be no behavior change. God has something great for you. Uh, God, God never destined you to come out and, and perish halfway. God never called you into the ministry to have a half success. God has something bigger, better than that. And uh, if you're being held back, it's not the fault of the people. Uh, it's, it, God hasn't failed. The promises of God have not failed. Uh, it's time to let the Holy Spirit uh, illuminate you to you and to show you your own thinking. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish there. Uh, God bless you. I hope you'll digest the message. I know the format is difficult. To be honest, you might find this easier to just listen to again. Just put the audio on you know, while you're in the car uh, or, or you know somewhere else. Sometimes for me, uh, even if I have a video, I turn off the video. I don't wanna see the screen because I can digest the audio without distraction by not looking at the screen. So you work out what works for you, but you might want to revisit this again and uh, just ask the Lord to help you to, to, to understand yourself. Uh, remember the question, we've asked it multiple times. I want you to think about how you think about things because that could be the very uh, problem uh, that is, is holding you back. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor Lloyd. Uh, Good Shepherd, I love you. Uh, miss you uh, a lot. Uh, miss Australia, miss the brethren there, uh, miss uh, the fellowship of the saints, uh, so many good friends in uh, Sydney and other places uh, around Australia. Uh, look forward to seeing you somewhere, uh, but uh, let's go forward for God. Uh, let's press on. Uh, the work of God is still here. We're not in heaven yet. And I pray that you would realize the destiny that God has for you.